Tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you here on this Friday as we look ahead to the holiday weekend. Hope everybody has a safe and enjoyable 4th of July Certainly different from any other 4th of Julys that we are used to, but I hope everyone can watch some fireworks in a safe and, uh, you know, socially distant way and uh, enjoy them and celebrate our great nation's birthday over the weekend. So much to talk about right now as we head into the weekend. We will have part two of my interview with Newsday's Ted Starkey as we talk about the future of the New York Islanders, preview the playoff series against the Florida Panthers, and talk about some of the Islanders' prospects and what their futures may look like. We also have the latest on the Hub Cities and Ilya Sorokin as time continues to tick on with those situations. And, of course, we have our Islanders' birthday of the day Uh, as we head into the weekend. Now, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to shoot us an email. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you want to leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes concerning the New York Islanders. So, of a few notes, first of all, from considering what's going on right now. Uh, the National Hockey League has announced that they are delaying the next phase, phase three of the return to play uh, program here, but it's only going to be pushed back a few days at least. It was supposed to end July 10th, phase two, and then formal training camps were scheduled to begin then. Phase three, July 10th, not anymore. Now it's going to be delayed until at least July 13th, And I think the reason for that is twofold. First of all, it allows a little bit more time for some of these states where the coronavirus is running rampant. And I could think, you know, Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, a a lot of these areas uh, experiencing significant 
increases in new coronavirus cases, and that will hopefully allow a little bit more time for those areas to uh, calm down, get fewer cases, and and flatten the curve, so to speak. Uh, meanwhile, it also allows the players and the owners a little bit more time to reach a final agreement on everything considering the rules, the protocols, and everything else with the return to play program. So at least a three-day delay, perhaps more, to stage three of the NHL's return to play program. And if you follow us on Twitter, we'll keep you up to date when all of this information does become finalized. Meanwhile, yesterday, the NHL also announcing that Toronto and Edmonton will be the two places where the hub cities will exist for the Stanley Cup playoffs and that the Stanley Cup final will be held in Edmonton. So if the Islanders are fortunate enough to get to the Stanley Cup final this year or to even win the Stanley Cup final this year, they will be raising the Stanley Cup, well, whoever wins the Stanley Cup, will be raising the Stanley Cup in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, again, assuming that the NHL finds a way to safely actually finish this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. And one of the things, by the way, that Edmonton is doing, uh, they have a hub city plan, a bubble that spans multiple blocks. That'll include the Marriott Hotel, the Sutton Place Hotel, the Rogers Arena, the Rogers Arena practice facility, and a wall will literally be built around this area that is called the bubble to maintain both player and public safety, according to an article published yesterday in The Athletic. So that's what's happening over there. And again, it looks like, you know, the NHL trying to set this up so it can be done safely. We only hope that it can be. Meanwhile, the Islanders also made an announcement yesterday, uh, and this is kind of exciting. They are launching what they're calling the Mentoring Matchup Program. It's for students ages 15 to 18, and it's sort of like an internship uh, that will allow them to see what it's like to work in the sports industry and it allows you know high school students to get a taste of what it's like to work for the new york islanders and you can head over to the islanders official website uh, newyorkislanders.com mentor space is limited you can apply up until july 10th so that's a week from today but uh, i gotta tell you if if this program was around when i was in high school I would have jumped at this in 2.2 seconds, and it's exciting. It's a great opportunity for a lot of people, and uh, hopefully, uh, if you're interested, please check it out on the Islanders' official website and make sure that you apply. And if you need new parts for your car or truck, make sure you check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. 
RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and it does not require membership or account logon. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so the clock is ticking on the Ilya Sorokin situation. And with each passing day, it looks less likely that the Islanders will be able to sign Sorokin to a contract and have him available at least to be on the roster in the playoffs this year. And that's not all necessarily a bad thing, and I'll tell you why. Even if the Islanders were to sign Sorokin today, and he was able to get here and train with the team and be on the roster to be eligible to play in the playoffs, it is very, very doubtful that Lou Lamorello will allow him to play in the play-in round or any other round that the Islanders reach unless both Ilya, uh, unless both Simeon Varlamov and Tomas Grice self-destruct and just can't get the job done. And what it will do, if the Islanders sign him to an entry-level deal, it's $925,000 for him in salary next year, and the Islanders get their goalie of the future on the payroll at an entry-level price. The problem is, if they sign him and he's eligible to play this year, and they burn that entry-level contract in the playoffs, they will have to pay Sorokin a lot more next year. And we've talked so many times about the Islanders being up against the salary cap right now. So it, it hurts the Islanders' salary cap situation and may create a situation where they'll need to make even more trades or more moves in order to free up cap space to get the players they need to improve this team, to sign Matt Barzal, and to stay under the salary cap, which is going to be flat because revenues are down as a result of this pandemic. It, it, it really creates a messy situation. So it's a mixed blessing. You want him here for experience purposes, but it remains to be seen. And of course, we will keep you updated here on the show and via Twitter with the very latest on the Ilya Sorokin situation. All right, time for our Islanders birthday of the day. And uh, we're going to go back to a player who was with the team in the mid-2000s. We're talking about defenseman Adrian Acoin native of Ottawa, Ontario, originally uh, attended Boston University, was drafted by the Canucks back in 1992, made his debut with Vancouver during the 1994-95 season, joined the Islanders in 2001-2002, and in 
spent three full seasons on Long Island and provided a pretty good amount of offense. 12 goals, 34 points in his first season there. Eight goals, 35 points in 2002-2003. And then his best offensive season, 13 goals, 44 points in 2003-2004. In addition to the Canucks and Islanders, he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Chicago Blackhawks, Calgary Flames, Phoenix Coyotes, and Columbus Blue Jackets. In all, O'Coin played 1,108 NHL games, scored 121 goals, had 399 points, and 793 penalty minutes. We're going to go back and look at one of his better offensive games for the Islanders. This one taking place on March 25th, 2004 at what was then called the Wachovia Center in Philadelphia. Islanders taking on their division rivals, the Philadelphia Flyers, and it was the Flyers getting on the board first. John LeClaire putting home his 23rd goal of the season, and that one was assisted by Mark Recchi and Yoni Pitkinen at the four-minute mark for the Islanders. Uh, Garth Snow starting in goal, although he was later replaced by Wade Dublowitz. Meanwhile, Robert Esch was the netminder for Philadelphia. Islanders answered four minutes later, a little more than four minutes later, Adrian Acoin, his eighth of the season. Michael Pekka and Trent Hunter assisting on that goal at 8.27, and it was all even at one apiece. But Less than two minutes after that, Michael Hanzus made it 2-1 Philadelphia. His 18th, Mark Recchi and John LeClaire with the assists at 9.55, and it was a 2-1 deficit for the Islanders. A coin scores again, however, later on in that first period, an unassisted goal, his second of the game, ninth of the year, at 12.11 after the first period. The game was all even at two and two. In the second period, Mark Parrish breaks the tie, scoring his 20th of the year from Kenny Janssen at 6.02, and the Islanders had a three to two edge heading into the final period of the night. Well, the Flyers got into some penalty trouble. Claude Lapointe, who Islander fans I'm sure are quite familiar with, off for holding at 6.14. That was a two minute penalty. And Yanni Ninema cashes in his ninth from Cliff Ronning and Matthias Wienhandel at 6.49. And that was all she wrote. The Islanders skate away with a 4-2 road victory. Two goals in this one for Adrian O'Coin. He was tied with for the team lead with a plus one rating. He had his two goals on three shots. Trent Hunter had four shots to lead all Islanders. And by the way, a coin was the only multiple point getter for the New York Islanders in this one. Wade Dublowitz, who came on in relief, stopped all 14 shots he faced, played the second and third periods of this game. He got the win. Garth Snow allowed two goals in just six shots in the first period and then was replaced. Islanders, by the way, uh, you know, this is a dead puck era game. Here are the shots on goal. 20 for the Philadelphia Flyers for the Islanders. 
four goals on 15 shots. So Robert Esch, just a 7.33 save percentage. Either way, Adrian O'Coin, two goals in this game. He is our Islanders' birthday player of the day. And today, Adrian O'Coin is 47 years old. So a happy birthday to Adrian O'Coin and uh, hopefully a lot of nice memories for Islander fans thinking about him. And now it's time for part two of my interview with Ted Starkey of Newsday. Let's take a, a look forward in the short term. The Islanders going to face the Florida Panthers in this play-in round if and when the NHL is able to get things started. Hopefully that's at the end of this month. How do you see the Islanders matching up with the Florida Panthers? I think on paper, I think they're a pretty good uh they're a pretty good draw for the Islanders. I think the big question mark obviously will be how Bobrovsky does for Florida. Um, you know, a goaltender, anytime you have a short series, uh, the last time the NHL used the best of five series back in 1986, half the teams that were favored lost. So, and this now you have, you know, four months off before it makes it even more unpredictable. It's more like uh, a world cup of hockey tournament rather than the Stanley cup playoffs. But, you know, I think they, as long as the biggest worry for the Islanders, I think, would be how quick it is to pick the system back up. Because obviously Barry Trotz's system is one that's worked for the Isles, but, you know, the last couple of years, it's taken a few weeks for the team to kind of adapt it. And obviously they don't have that kind of time this year. You know, this year they got out to a bit of a slow start. And about two weeks into the season, they started to play much better. Um, that would be my big question to see how long it takes to get back in that very trot style. Um, and then, you know, the X factor will be Bobrovsky, but I still think the Islanders would be favored in the series. What are some of the keys? What are the Islanders going to have to do? Because all year they have struggled to score goals. Are there some players that you could see pinching in or helping out to increase that goal production when the playoffs get underway? Or, you know, what do the Islanders have to do to, to make a long playoff run? I think, you know, obviously you got to get production from your secondary players. You know, Marzal has to be good because obviously he's their biggest offensive threat. But you also have, you have to have the second and third lines contribute goals. You have to have some of the defensemen chip in goals. You basically need to be more effective on special teams. You have to be a little bit better at power plays. Uh, that being said, it's, it's just, it's going to be a very, very unusual setup because, you know, with all the time they've had off, because you basically are, are putting in between the regular season and the playoffs what would be an entire summer for the players. You know, the Bruins had four months off between the first game this year and the last game of the Stanley Cup Finals last year. All the teams this year are probably going to be at or exceed that. So it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for some teams to get off the bat, you know, they'll, they'll probably have, you know, two preseason games to tune, to tune up, but it's a, it's a very tall order to go from that to elimination hockey and a best of five series versus a best of seven, where, you know, if you have a bad four days at a best of five series, your season's over. No question. And if your goalie isn't hot right off the bat, your season is over also. How do you see, uh, a goalie like Simeon Varlamov, who is probably going to be the starter, responding to the layoff and, and, and coming back to play? 
he'll probably be okay. I mean, he's had, obviously, I think his biggest question coming into this season with the Islanders is more his durability. Obviously, he's had some time to recover. He'll be fresh. Uh, but, you know, the big question is probably going to be, can he outplay uh, Bobrovsky? And obviously, Bobrovsky, you know, led the Blue Jackets to an upset last year over top team in the NHL. So, with a lot more firepower than the Islanders possess. So, it's going to be a challenge. But, I mean, he's got to keep the team in the games. He can do that. But I think a big part will be how quickly they can get back into that system. Because if it takes some time to get back in the system, they may not have the time. A lot of talk this week, especially regarding Ilya Sorokin, considered by many to be the best goalie not in the NHL right now. When, if at all, is this guy going to be joining the New York Islanders, and when will they sign him to a deal? Well, it's going to be tricky because, A, if you look at a more recent example uh, with the Washington Capitals with uh, Samsonov, uh, it took him about half a year to get ready for North American hockey. He was not very good in the American Hockey League for his first two months. Then about that point, he started to get really good. And obviously, a year later, he's NHL ready. He's probably going to be a starter at some point soon. Uh, with Sorokin, I mean, I think, you know, even if they sign him for this season, I can't imagine that with knowing Barry Trotz and how he likes to rely on veterans over younger players. I would imagine at best he's going to be a black ace, even if they sign him. And I'm not sure they're going to burn an entry-level contract here just to do that. They may. Um, but, I mean, I think the best case for him would be to go to Bridgeport for a few months next season and then come up. But, you know, obviously with Rice's uh, contract situation, they may not have that luxury. But I think that would be the best kind of mode because usually the Continental Hockey League, it's more of a wide-open offensive league and the game tends to be different. The angles tend to be different, and it takes some time for a Russian goaltender to adapt to North American hockey, and I think they probably need at least a couple months in the American League before I would consider National Hockey League ready, even though he's done well in the KHL. Do you think he is as good as people are making him out to be? Does this guy have the potential to be a franchise goalie in the National Hockey League in a year or two? He certainly has potential to. Um, I think I always treat Continental Hockey League players with a bit of uh, scrutiny because I think the league is, as I was saying previously, I think it's a little bit more open. Um, I'm not sure it quite translates to the National Hockey League in terms of style of play. I think there's tendencies that National Hockey League players can exploit where Continental Hockey League players can necessarily exploit. Um, but I think he certainly, I mean, from everything I've read and everything I've seen of him playing uh, for Russia, um, I think he's been a terrific goaltender in that league. And, you know, he certainly has potential to be that in the National Hockey League. But I would caution, I'm not sure that that's his success in the KHL is automatically going to translate to the NHL. We're talking with Ted Starkey of Newsday, author of Red Rising and uh, Chasing the Dream. Ted, some of the Islanders' top prospects, your thoughts, let's start with Kiefer Bellows. Right. I mean, obviously, um, he had a, a okay career at Boston University, but was drafted by the Islanders. He played very well in Bridgeport last year. Um, I think, you know, obviously, I think he has flashes. He obviously comes from a great line of Bellows players. Uh, was born during the 1998 Stanley Cup final. Um, and I think, you know, 
he's probably one of the type of players that the Islanders, when they bring him up, they have to give him some ice time. Because I think if you give him limited minutes, I'm not sure what he's going to produce. But he kind of – one of those players, if you give him some more ice time and give him more opportunities, I think he could be a very decent player. I'm not sure he's going to be a top-line player, but he's certainly a second or third line for sure. And the thing that I like about Bellows, in addition to the fact that he shoots the puck well, he once he fully develops physically, he has the potential to be a power forward and, and get those dirty goals that the Islanders don't seem to be getting enough of recently. Right, right. And I think he's got a lot of skill. And as I said, uh, I think the biggest question I had of him back in college, uh, he used to take some, be a little bit undisciplined at times, he used to take some bad penalties. And I think he's cleaned that up off of his game. Um, but I think it'd be smart if he uses a skill set. He could definitely be an asset to the Islanders. How about Noah Dobson? Got into 34 games this year with the Islanders, his first professional season. Obviously, you know, when they acquired Andy Green, they, they showed that they didn't think he was quite ready to be a reliable top six guy yet, but your early thoughts on him and on his potential. I think he's another one. You know, he's a, he's a talented D-man. Uh, I think it'd be, you know, playing defense in the National Hockey League is not something a lot of young players come into. And I think, you know, obviously I do think he needs a little bit more time to kind of get used to the league and playing. And obviously playing in the Metro Division, there's, he's facing a lot of talent every night. Um, but I think, you know, he's, he's shown flashes of being a good, solid defenseman. And I think it's one of those things you just kind of get it in time. You know, I think, I think Lou Amarello has always been a general manager who's willing to give players time to develop and not trying to rush players. And, you know, I think they, like you said, I think the Andy Green trade was to kind of give him more options. But I think, you know, in a couple months or a year, I think he'll start to really develop into a solid blue liner, which is something also the Islanders need. Talking about blue liners, how important is it for the Islanders to have Adam Pellick back in the lineup once the play-in round gets underway? Obviously, that'll be a big, big boost. You know, Florida's got some talent up front. Uh, and, you know, again, with the short series, it's going to be very key to try to slow them down and try to, you know, limit the shots against. And I think you know, is it, it's, it all goes back to Barry Trotz's system. You know, he won a Stanley Cup in Washington using that type of system. He made the playoffs several years in Nashville making that type of system. And I think, you know, the key is obviously you want to try to be aggressive against the puck carrier in your own end. You want to limit the shots against your goaltender and hope the goaltender, you know, vacuums everything up that comes towards them. Um, but, you know, obviously I think, the key to trot the system is the defense and to make sure that, you know, you kind of make the offense uncomfortable in your zone and you want to make sure they feel like they have to rush the pass, rush the shot. And, you know, that'll be key to the series because, you know, if the Islanders don't do that, they could be in trouble against Florida. No doubt. All right. Last question for you before we let you go, your prediction, assuming the playoffs do take place this year, what do you predict the Islanders will do? I think the Islanders will probably advance to the first round. I'm not sure they would get by whoever they face. Um, I think it's it'll be tough to beat a team like Tampa or Washington or Philadelphia or Boston. You know, it, it's obviously it's a no one knows where they're going to end up with the uh, 
the seeding rounds for the uh, top four teams. So the potential is the Islanders could still face a really, really excellent team in the first round uh, of the playoffs. And obviously, you know, all those teams are quite capable of, you know, going on runs. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the best case scenario for the Islanders, maybe they can get to the second round this year. Uh, I think they beat Florida. I'm not sure they get out of the first round and I, have a hard time seeing getting out of the second round. But obviously it's a team that's still relatively young. Um, you know, I think they're heading in the right direction. Obviously, I think they'll be a contender, you know, going down the road. All right. Well, Ted Starkey from Newsday, author of Red Rising and Chasing the Dream, thanks so much for joining the Locked On Islanders podcast. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, our thanks to Ted Starkey of Newsday, also author of Red Rising and Chasing the Dream, two great hockey books available right now on Amazon.com. Check them out. That's going to wrap up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the National Hockey League. Hope everybody has a great holiday weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy. Remember, we're always one day closer to the resumption of hockey, and of course, let's go Islanders.